Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast, the podcast that brings you great healthcare analysis and discussion. I'm Matthew Handley, and with me is the president and CEO of our organization, Fulcrum Strategies, and that is economist Ron Howergan. Ron, how are you, sir? I am good. Thank you for asking. This week, we're talking about something that is affecting one of our clients in North Carolina, and it's a new product from United Healthcare. So we're going to talk about what that new product is, and we're also going to talk about uh, where these products will be seen elsewhere and why providers should be on the lookout for new products in general. So, Ron, this is a new product from United Healthcare. It's got kind of, uh, to me, it looks interesting because it looks like there are a lot of patients that might be interested in a product like this. And it's called uh, Surest. So tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so this is um, a new product that is um, United Healthcare is putting forth. And the product has a couple of different um, features to it. And again, you, there are a lot of people who are going to look at this and say, hey, I, that, that's really interesting. I, I need that. One of the features is the product doesn't have coinsurance deductibles. Hmm. You know, one of the things that drives... Um, a lot of, and we've talked about this before, a lot of medical debt and, and patient anxiety is, okay, I have to pay 20% of whatever the end bill is, but I don't know what that bill is going to be. You know, I need surgery or right. I need a knee replacement. Um, am I going to owe $100 or $10,000? Um, and a lot of times, you, you, you know, you're not told ahead of time. Well, it will depend on, on what happens while you're there. Well, this plan doesn't have that. It only has co-pays. So it's a fi- it's a fixed dollar amount. Now the copays are variable depending on who you go to see for a service, and that's the other feature to the product. Um, that product has a different copay based on who does your let's say knee replacement, um, and it's designed to have this consumerism um, feature to it, either by app or by website or whatever. You can say, hey. I need a knee replacement or my kid needs a tonsillectomy or whatever. Here are my options in my community and here's how much it's going to cost me if I go to those various options. What the payer is trying to do here, I believe, is translate the fee schedule or the actual cost of a given provider down to a real dollar amount that the patient can see Mm -hmm. prior to having the service. So it's an interesting concept. The last thing that this product has, and it's not – they, they sell it sort of with or without this option. But the last thing the product has is the ability to turn on your benefits for something that is expensive and elective. Things like a knee replacement. You don't, those don't happen in an emergency room. You know that your knee hurts. You go, doctor says, hey, it's time for a replacement. You can have it done whenever the pain gets too far and we schedule it in advance, et cetera. So what this plan does is Once you know that you have to have a knee replacement, I use that as an example, you notify the plan and you turn on your coverage for knee replacement. Technically speaking, you don't have any coverage of it until you notify them and turn on that coverage. Hmm. Um, And then you have have coverage for it. The reason why they do that for something that's elective is because it sort of forces the consumer to say, hey, I need a knee replacement much like a consumer might say, hey, my car broke down, I need a new car. And then it forces you to shop because when you turn it on, they go, all right, now your benefit has been turned on, we're gonna pay for this. Now, what kind of car do you wanna buy? Or in this case, who do you want to do your knee surgery? And you look at the various cost 
of the options you have, the various orthopods in your marketplace, and you pick. And your choice then dictates how much of that um, knee replacement surgery or what your copay is. So it's a it's an interesting product. It has some differentiators, and it definitely is designed around what they think is consumerism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, and for people that need a a visual, a visual of how this might look, you know, when I travel, I use, uh, and when I'm driving, when I travel, I use a, an app to help me find parking. Um, so that I'm not having to hunt for it when I get there and I can see, you know, different lots and what the price is and I prepay, uh, before I go. Now, of course, for this, you're not going to be prepaying, but it's similar to how that would look. You're on, you, from clicking around on the surest website, there's, you have an app or online that'll show you different locations with a dollar amount copay, depending on what you're right. looking to do. And so on, on the one hand, Ron, I think patients could be quite interested in something like this because in particular, if they don't have a relationship with a doctor already, it's a really easy way to shop around. Uh, from the provider perspective, though, you're now incentivizing people to go to the cheapest provider, which, as we've talked about before, can create problems in the long run when you're talking about quality. Yeah, and another another example I would say this is very similar to is it's really not that much different than Travelocity, mm-hmm. you know, for airline tickets. Right. It, it, that was a tool that people could say, hey, I want to go from here to here, and what are my options? And you could see, you know, this one has a longer layover or that one gets in too late or whatever, but you could make that choice. You're absolutely right. Now, the difference here in healthcare, and this has been a challenge for the providers of healthcare for a long time, is how do you express quality? How does the consumer understand quality? Um, I've been in healthcare for 36 years. I know that not every doctor is the same. Not every surgeon is as good, you know, that there's differences, okay, like in any profession. But if I'm a consumer and I'm looking at three options, how do I know that whether there's a difference or, you know, that Dr. A does this procedure, um, you know, laparoscopically and therefore my recovery is going to be better than Dr. B. Um, that's the challenge from the provider end is being able to keep yourself from becoming a commodity and being able to express your real quality or value difference. How does this look for the employer? Because there has to be, you know, they have to be able to go to the employer and say, this is a cheaper product than than what you'd already be getting, or it's a better product if it's going to be more expensive. So, and, and I'm aware that they're only selling this to employers with, I think, 51 employees or more. So mm-hmm. how does this look to the employer? Is, is it less expensive than a traditional, you know, say a PPO or an HMO plan that an employer would offer to their to their employees? Well, it, it has a couple of potential benefits to an employer, okay? One of them is to the extent that this product drives patients to lower cost options. And, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean worse physicians. Um, lower cost could be um, surgeons who are equally as skilled but who operate at a hospital that has a lower cost contract. Okay. Right. But to the extent that this drives that business to those lower cost options, it will lower the price of the product. It'll lower the premium. Okay. If you're in a two hospital town and hospital A is a lot cheaper and you can drive more people there, it lowers the overall cost of the product. So it has that benefit to it of potentially being cheaper. Um, actuarially, changing from a coinsurance and a deductible to a copay is just a math problem. And actuaries are really good at math. So that doesn't create a problem for them. Now, 
The other thing it has potential in doing is it can lower the overall cost of the product for the employer, let's say on renewal, just by changing what those copays are, because those copays aren't set in stone. It's not like you're buying a product right now that says I, my doctor copay is $20 and my hospital copay is 50. They're variable. So if an employer gets a renewal and they say, I can't afford that kind of an increase, they say, well, let's just increase the copay, you know, these variable copays, and it'll right. lower your cost. So it also has that option. Now, that's not great for the patient or the consumer. Um, but they're they're not doing this product because they think it would inherently be more expensive. They're doing it because they they believe it'll be less expensive, and I think they're probably right. And it's probably easier to to, to sell to some of these large employers, um, especially those that are are opting for fully insured uh, plans. How, I, here's a question for you that you may or may not know the answer because it may get too into the weeds on the plan details. But we have, after the Affordable Care Act, a lot of uh, primary and preventative care that is supposed to be free uh, or free to the to the patient, rather. I, I should say free because nothing is free. But how does that look under a plan like this? Do you, do you have any insight into that? So they um, say that this plan is, is Affordable Care Act compliant. Okay. So it meets the requirement for credible coverage. And, and minimum covered benefits. And, and it makes sense because when they talk about these variable copays, these are for larger, more expensive things like surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, the preventative care stuff, et cetera, they're still going to be compliant with the Affordable Care Act. They'll still be sort of free to the to the consumer. And and really, that's not where the, the extra money is for healthcare right. or where right. the savings are. You know, where you get your screening mammogram is not, you know, going to move the needle any anywhere it's where you're going to have your surgery done where you're going to deliver your child that kind of stuff let's switch to talk about a little bit on the provider side now this is going to get tacked on to united Healthcare plans uh as an additional product that doesn't that's not going to be in an amendment that doesn't require signature how narrow do you think this network will be and what should providers be on the lookout for as this product expands across the united states so I don't I don't expect the network to be narrow at all. I think the network is going to be the full network. Mm-hmm. What will change is how much your copay or how much the patient has to pay. So let's pick, you know, fictitious city and you've got University Medical Center, which is let's say the most expensive. And then you've got, you know, really nice uh, affluent hospital, which is in the middle, and then you've got County General, which is mm-hmm. less expensive. Okay. All three of them are going to be in the network. Now, when you go to get your, you know, your knee replacement surgery, you know, University Medical Center might be a $5,000 copay and, you know, Affluent Hospital might be $2,500 and County General might be 1000 And that's how they're going to sort of differentiate. So I, I don't think it's going to be a narrow network. Now, from the provider side, the big question is what do you do whether you're a surgeon or a facility or whatever, when the patient calls and says, hey, why are you more expensive than the guy down the street? I think I'm going to go there. If you want my business, you should lower your cost. Or what are you going to do when the carrier says, by the way, we've got this new product and all these patients are leaving your practice because you're more expensive. But if you just lowered your reimbursement to X, you would be the same copay that they are. That's going to be the really interesting part from the provider end is understanding that dynamic. And we talked in our meeting or our staff meeting this morning at Fulcrum Strategies about 
where the quality message needs to come from. And this is really a time when, when physicians need to step up and tell their story about quality of care, not just cost of care. Yeah, I think in general, um, healthcare providers haven't done a great job of expressing quality and their quality differential. I think it's largely because they've been so focused on the actual provision of care and improving their quality that they didn't do a great job of, of sort of selling it or communicating it. Um, and, and Stephanie, I talked about, you know, there's a difference between perceived quality and actual quality. And the example I always use is there's been studies and, and examples that show that the vast majority of people in a blinded taste test can't tell the difference between a cup of Starbucks coffee and McDonald's coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. But Starbucks has perceived quality and that quality translates into more money. People buy it because they will say it's better. And I know it is. And part of why they think it's better is because, well, it's a different environment. And I talked to a barista and it's a whole different language and all this, you know, but healthcare hasn't really done that. They haven't either expressed perceived quality or in healthcare, what could be real quality where you could say, look, I, I know that I'm more expensive for this knee replacement surgery, but I do 300 of these a year. And my, you know, infection, post-op infection rate is the lowest in the county. And my recovery time is less than anybody else. And my redo rate is less than, these are real things, but most patients don't have a way to fully comprehend or understand that because if they did, and if providers of care get really good at sort of expressing this quality, there are people who would definitely go, oh, well, that's worth an extra $500, right? you know, um, and make that decision. So that's going to be a challenge for the people who provide care is how do they express, educate, and market, if you will, real quality differences. Well, and what do you suggest, you know, to your clients or to anyone who asks the question, how do you get that story out there? What, what would you suggest to them? Well, I think first of all, you need to know who you are and you need to compete on who you are. Um, I tell people, you know, Walmart and Nordstrom's are very different businesses. Now they sell not the exact same product, but, but similar products, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of them knows that what they are is a price seller, Walmart. They know that they don't have the atmosphere. They're selling on price and there's a consumer out there that buys on price alone. Okay. And the other one sells service and quality. And they know that. They, they don't confuse each other. They know they really don't compete. They just serve two different markets. So first of all, understand who you are. If you are truly the best group in your specialty in your market, then compete on quality. Don't compete on price. If on the other hand, you're wanting to be that lower cost option, doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're different. Then compete on that. And if you are going to compete on quality, then the next thing you got to do is you got to make sure that you educate and people understand quality rather than just saying, here are all of our doctors, you know, say all of our doctors are board certified in this and they're all fellowship trained. And we only take doctors from, you know, the following medical schools. And, you know, this doctor has 30 years of experience and did this or that, you know. Um, also, some of it is a bit perceived quality. Make sure if you're going to be more expensive, your offices probably ought to look better. You need to be providing different service. Um, which is different than care. So, you know, it's making sure that you do the things that other businesses know and have to do. We're talking about a new plan from United Healthcare called Surus that has variable co-pays and run, I guess, just to summarize, 
Uh, providers need to be on the lookout for this because it could be coming to an area near them. We've seen it pop up in North Carolina, uh, and it is, it's popping up all over the place, isn't it? Well, you need to be on the lookout for this because you're right. It, it'll become national. And for other new products, this is not going to be the, la the last new thing that insurance companies try. Because just like we talk about providers needing to differentiate themselves, insurance companies need to as well. Because to a large degree, a lot of people view insurance companies like they view banks. They're a commodity. Yep. And this is one of their ways to say, no, we have a product that, that no one else offers. And I'm sure that the other carriers, the Aetna's, the Blue Cross's, the Signals of the World, are going to come out with their wrinkle on a product like this or a new product. So you've really got to keep watching the marketplace for these changes. Ron, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me about some of these variable co-play plans and uh, what providers need to look out for. No problem. Thank you. Miss an episode of the Flatlining Podcast? Well, now you can read a recap. Just go to flatlining.net and look right there on the homepage every Monday for a written recap on last week's episode.